The following is a proposal for a new American tax system. It will be grounded in the country's founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, and the United States Constitution. It is intended to satisfy the requirement that such a system adhere strictly to these, as well as embrace both the logic of free market economics and wealth production that conservatives seek, and the wealth dynamics that progressives seek. It will provide approaches to the issues of citizenship, corporate personhood, and eminent domain. The key is in finding simultaneous solutions such that each aspect reinforces the soundness of the whole. The system eliminates both the income tax and the inheritance tax. First, let us consider the many and various criticisms of the current tax system. From the perspective of conservatives, it is overly complex with burdensome levels of taxation, which does not solve the dual issues of budget deficits and debt. From the free market viewpoint, corporate and business income taxes create a competitive disadvantage for American businesses. Further, there is an issue of double taxation that income is taxed both at the corporate level and then again at the personal level for those that receive income from dividends. The maze of regulations hinder small businesses with substantial accounting costs and divert owners' time away from their core activities of producing valuable goods and services. Moving toward the other end of the political spectrum, the tax system is perceived as benefiting large corporations through its many loopholes and individuals who have income mostly derived from capital gains. There are deep feelings that the wealthiest do not pay their fair share. Beyond all of these concerns are questions about whether the government is focused on the well-being of its citizens before that of immigrants, legal or otherwise, and other non-citizens. Uses eminent domain too loosely and for private gain, and whether the principle of self-determination is being sufficiently respected. Another unresolved issue is reparations for the descendants of slaves. Finally, to maintain an efficient government while also having a free market economic system requires that all potential resources have a price at which its owner would be willing to sell to the government. The following attempts to address all of these. Founding documents. The Declaration of Independence states, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. It also states, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The Constitution of the United States begins with, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. The purpose of the United States government is to secure the inalienable rights of its citizens the best that it can. Since our government is for, of, and by the people, its citizens must invest a share of the value of their rights, their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, toward the resources necessary for that government to fulfill its obligations. It's not enough to inherit a great mansion. It takes work to maintain and sustain it in order to pass it on to the next generation. It is the responsibility of the citizens of the United States to honestly state the value of these rights 
and to provide the appropriate resources for their defense and promotion. The government is not a miracle worker. It is an institution by which the people join together to improve their lives and that of their posterity. Principles of Self-Determination In a nation that strives for equality under the law, it is reasonable that each citizen should give an equitable portion of such value derived. It is also true that the government, being the people of the United States, should also avoid making it more difficult for individual persons to generate their own subsistence. This suggests that an individual should only be taxed on that part of the value of those rights that exceeds the needs of subsistence. It is counterproductive to tax those with little wealth and income, only to give it back to them in order to survive. The following principles are key for citizens to be self-determined and are the basis for the new tax system. Persons self-declare their status as citizens. Persons self-declare the value of their time and property. When eminent domain is used, the person is compensated for what they would be willing to sell their property for. When government employs a citizen, the person is compensated for what they would be willing to sell their services. Enable persons with low income and little wealth to take care of themselves. Reduce disincentives from earning a livelihood. Those that benefit the most from government services should tend to pay the most for these services. Those services include protecting their civil and property rights. Citizenship. A person declares their status as a citizen if qualified. For living natural persons, that status is currently conferred at birth or by naturalization after being born. It may be reasonable for a natural-born person to, to reconfirm their status as citizen upon reaching majority, typically the age of 18. The importance of this is that citizenship entitles one to the protection of their rights, but also the responsibility of working and providing resources towards the promotion and defense of those rights. This also includes respecting those rights in others. An affirmative declaration of citizenship is a clear statement of a person's commitment. For artificial persons, such as corporations, that status is declared at incorporation if qualified. With respect to businesses, the rights and responsibilities will vary based on what type of entity it is. Here are three proposed entities. Owned business entity, or OBE. This is an entity that is owned and used to advance commercial or for-profit activity. By its nature, it is not a person since a person cannot be owned. An owned business entity, not being a person, would have neither claim to constitutional rights nor owe taxes. However, it could be used to collect taxes. Owners are fully liable for the actions of an owned business entity and directly responsible for the taxes associated with it. Independent business entity. This is an entity that is not owned and is responsible for its actions. It can be a person with constitutional rights and responsibilities, which includes paying taxes as any citizen is required to. If an independent business entity does not have citizen status, it pays taxes, as any non-citizen would, for activity and property within the country. Not-for-profit entity. To the extent that it is providing valuable goods and services of benefit to the citizenry, its taxes would be reduced or eliminated. Where profits are normally calculated as revenues less expenses, 
the tax burden on a not-for-profit would be based on monetary revenues, less value of goods and services provided. If a not-for-profit entity takes more money in than the value distributed, it is as if it is keeping or consuming the excess for itself. And that portion can be considered to be taxable income. The purpose of the above definitions is to deal with the legal ambiguities of what rights a corporation has, as well as the current inconsistencies involving the 13th Amendment concerning the prohibition of ownership of persons. It also avoids double taxation issues, as will be shown later. Valuing Rights With the above principles in mind, we can derive a tax system from the three most fundamental rights. Notice how the Founding Fathers pledged their lives, fortunes, and honor to creating an independent nation. These correspond to the rights above and are essential part of the responsibility of being an American citizen. In a sense, these aspects are the longitude, latitude, and altitude of human experience. They can be valued as follows. Life is the duration to experience being alive. It can be measured by the value of one's available time. Liberty is the space to move and act. It can be measured by the value of the wealth one owns, controls, or influences. That wealth includes land, property, and other resources. The pursuit of happiness is the expression of one's preferences in the world. It can be measured by the value of the goods, services, and experiences used in that expression. It is here we begin the details of the new tax system. Use tax, the pursuit of happiness. This would be similar to a sales tax on final goods and services. A final good is a good consumed for the direct benefit toward a person's happiness and well-being. Items covered by the wealth tax are excluded from the use tax. Goods that are sold to someone else or are used in the production of goods intending to be sold to someone else by an owned business entity are not final goods. The use tax can be collected and remitted by the entity that sells the taxable item. Still, it is the responsibility of the person buying the final good to pay the tax. An independent business entity, having declared itself a person with rights, which includes the pursuit of happiness, are directly responsible for paying the tax. It may be reasonable and beneficial to provide business entities a small compensation for remitting the collected taxes. All persons, both citizens and non-citizens, are subject to the use tax for final goods within the jurisdiction of the United States. However, to avoid making it more difficult for those with low incomes, a use tax prebate is given to each household of citizens based on household size. In essence, it plays the role of exempting subsistence consumption from being taxed. This also prevents the use tax from being regressive. It has the advantage of providing a slight subsidy to households that are living at or below subsistence consumption. This prebate is not dependent on wealth or income. The prebate is available only to U.S. citizens. Wealth tax and liberty. A wealth tax is applied to real assets such as land, buildings, and other fixed property as well as bank accounts and other financial assets, such as bonds, stocks, derivatives. 
This tax is due whether the owner is a citizen or non-citizen as long as the government is protecting those property rights. The taxable value of these assets are set at the self-declared price its owners are willing to sell them for. The government may then buy those assets for eminent domain purposes or otherwise at that price. In essence, having a free market economy requires that all assets have a price at which its owner would sell. The advantage of self-declaration is that the government does not force a price on an owner and that it encourages the owner to value these assets accurately. Setting a value too low allows the government to purchase the asset and then resell it at a profit. To further assure an accurate declaration of value, if an owner insures the property for a value greater than the one declared, then the insured value would be used for the purpose of tax calculation. As with consumption, some wealth is necessary to function in our economy. A subsistence wealth level is set based on household size, although retirement and disability status could also be used. This recognizes the necessity of having a place to live and enough finances to function. The wealth tax owed would be a percentage of self-declared value of wealth above that subsistence level. It would also be possible to have progressive rates of wealth tax. Since there is an annual wealth tax based on ownership, an inheritance tax is unnecessary, since whomever receives the inheritance would then be responsible for paying the wealth tax. The wealth tax being paid by the person who owns the tax would apply to both natural persons and to independent business entities. Other considerations might include an exemption for a primary residence, an educational debt deduction, where the outstanding principal could be used to reduce value of financial assets to be taxed, or a retirement account deduction, where some or all of a retirement account could be exempt from the wealth tax. Otherwise, value of assets are not reduced by the amount of debt. Non-citizen owners of protected property would pay a wealth tax on the full declared value of the property. Time, value, tax, and life. In essence, this is part of citizenship responsibility. People hired by the government because they are actually working for the government, especially those in the military, where a lifetime exemption from the time value tax for honorable service might be appropriate, are exempted from the time value tax. In lieu of working for the government, a person helps fund the cost of that work based on the self-declared value of time. A citizen self-declares a reservation compensation for which the government can employ them. They then pay a percentage of that reservation compensation. Note, this does not preclude the government from hiring employees via offerings through the traditional job market. What it does is set the compensation at which the government can hire that citizen even if they are currently employed elsewhere or if they are currently not employed. As was the case with the wealth tax, having a free market economy requires that all workers, from day laborers to teachers to consultants and CEOs, provide a price for their labor. The advantage of such self-declaration is that the government does not force a wage rate on a citizen and that it encourages the citizen to value their time accurately. If after being requested to work for the government, the citizen decides they do not want to work for the government, 
they are free to raise the reservation compensation to a rate so high the government chooses not to hire the citizen. In this case, the citizen would be responsible to pay an increased time value tax. Likewise, someone who is unemployed and looking for work can lower their reservation compensation, thereby reducing the tax they owe, while becoming more likely to be hired by the government. The tax is only applied to compensation above a subsistence income level, based on family size and composition, children, adults, retired, and disabled. Persons under the age of 18, retired or disabled, can claim exemption from government work if requested and they are not employed otherwise. Only citizens would be required to pay the time value tax. The employer of a non-citizen employee pays the time value tax on the full compensation of the employee. This encourages hiring citizens where feasible. Non-citizen visitors could pay a per diem tax. This can vary based on proof of various considerations, such as health insurance coverage, and could be paid by the hosting party, such as family, friends, or travel service. Reparations. Settling on a conclusive value of reparations will be very difficult and contentious. However, there is something we could do immediately that would be consistent with a conservative mindset the elimination of taxes on descendants of slaves for a duration equivalent to how long their ancestors had been enslaved. The reasoning is that the country's failure to protect the rights of individuals that were considered worthy enough to be counted, even if partially, toward the population census, their descendants were denied a family history of rights, income, and wealth accumulation that would have given them greater financial independence. As such, they are entitled to protection of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness without cost for a period of time commensurate to the duration their lineage was denied. Given that it was four score and seven years before emancipation, a nice round number of one century from enactment of passive reparations is suggested, or until active reparations are settled upon. Final Thoughts in order to avoid too much disruption and to adjust to new accounting needs, these taxes could be phased in. One approach would incorporate the use tax and wealth tax while lowering the current income tax rates and eliminating the capital gains tax. Once that has been adapted to, then the system can transition the rest of the income tax into time value tax. This new system addresses the conflicting concerns of different ideologies and political agenda. It eliminates the disincentives of an income tax. It eliminates the inheritance tax. It addresses wealth inequality by having the wealthiest pay more of their taxes based directly on their wealth. It provides some small subsidies to those surviving at poverty levels, which helps children to have food, clothing, and shelter, while also stimulating the economy. It allows those that are averse to working as part of our government to avoid it by increasing how much tax they pay to opt out. It supports those in the military by reducing their tax burdens. It provides an incentive to hire citizens over non-citizens. It permits the individual to self-declare the value of their time and what they own, consistent with free market principles. It reconnects our citizens to democracy as government for, of, and by the people, 
by being reminded that promoting the general welfare and securing our inalienable rights are directly dependent on our investing some of the value of our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness to those aims. Thank you.